Okay, so welcome to the uh, the podcast. Uh, in front of me, I've got Annabella Urell, and she is a uh, an entrepreneur. She's a lady with two children, um, married, and she's running three uh, businesses at the moment. Um, and not all of them are following the same type of genre. You're running a, a HR department, and you're also running two um, fitness, but for for ladies. Yeah. Yeah, and you've been doing that for for several years now, running these these businesses. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and where you came from? And at least one, I'd like to know a little bit more about how you became so entrepreneurial. Okay, so uh, my parents are from Portugal. They emigrated to this country back in the 60s. And uh, I was born and bred in London with my brother. And um, I met my husband in a job uh, and we got married. We moved in together and uh, seven years ago, we left London and moved to Daventry. Um, And uh, it was as a result of the move, actually, that I decided that I needed more flexibility in my life. I had at the time I had a two year old and a six, seven month old thereabouts. Um, I kept getting calls from the nursery to say, pick up your kids because they're ill. Um, I was in a HR in a HR role. I've been in I've been in HR for twenty odd years, and um, I, I went home to my husband. I'd been in the job for about three months, and I said to him, "I can't take this anymore. I keep getting anxiety. Every time the phone rings, um, I think it's the nursery because it was." Um, and uh, we had a chat, and the move from London to Daventry gave us a little bit of financial security because things are a bit cheaper in in Daventry than they were in London. And so I decided to set up my HR business, which I did uh, in July 2017. Um, and that's that's where my kind of starting up my own business stemmed from. So with your parents, do you think you gained anything from them and their sort of uh, their characteristics? You know, what did your father do? Yeah. So, you know, my parents emigrated here for a better life. I think that that's why most people leave the country of origin it's because they want a better life um they were poor people my parents only had primary school education um when they came to this country they were effectively servants they worked for lords and ladies my mum was the um uh, cook and maid my dad was the butler and chauffeur um and they did that for many years um and they you know they were grafters they still are grafters They've retired back to Portugal now, but now my dad is uh, and my mum and are happily cultivating their own food in their land because that's that's what they like to do, so and that's how they. Land, they're, they're not farmers. Yeah, they're effectively. Were they farmers in Portugal originally? Yeah, so 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 my my family have a background in farming. Um, that's not what my parents did um, as they were growing up, but they helped helped out with 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 their parents and stuff. So they have, they're familiar with crops and. And stuff like that. So now my, my, my parents, they grow their own lettuce, their own beans, their cabbages, you know, and they're very happy doing that. And that's how they spend their time now. And to be honest, with the cost of living, it helps when you when you grow your own crops. Um, I did learn a lot from my parents. Um, there are a few things. Uh, my parents always said to me, um, save so that when you want to buy something, you've got the money to buy it rather than save because you want to buy something. So that's really stuck in in my way of being um you know different to today isn't it where if you want something you just borrow the money from somewhere yeah it is everything yeah so my parents only ever got a bank account when they bought their first home um which um was was a long time after they'd been already working Uh, it was a different time 
back in the day when when they when they first came here um and uh, they had a bank account but but you know they didn't um they didn't do credit um and and you know my my parents are very particularly my dad is very adverse to paying credit card companies interest um so i have a credit card for example and i spend on my credit card but i do it in order to earn points because i get free money from it um but i pay my credit card off every month you know i i loathe to pay interest on anything because it's wasted money and so that's something that they've really instilled in me um you know and 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 for them education was everything i think because they didn't have an education um so they believed that every education was everything i actually quit my degree uh when i went i went to king's college king's college what were you studying so i was in king's college in london doing a computer science i didn't enjoy it um you had a loan or your, your parents no no so my parents fortunately my parents they worked very hard and they 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 put myself and my brother through a further education and they paid for it um you know in the sense that they they didn't um they didn't take out loans to pay for education ironically my year that i went to uni was the the last year of of the grant if we can even remember that that long ago that you used to get money for free to go to university mm. that doesn't exist anymore um you know and um and so yeah so so they so i went to kings that that's where we were i went to kings college for two years and um I just, I just, I just didn't get the subject. I didn't enjoy it. I'm one of those people that if I don't get something, why, why do it? And so I quit my degree, much to break in my parents' heart, and um, decided that I was going to take some time to figure out what I, what I wanted to do. So before I told my parents I'd quit my degree, I got a job because I knew that when I went home to tell my parents, they would say to me just because you quit your degree don't think you're going to be sitting at home all day doing nothing so I got myself a job and that job happened to be in HR never heard of HR before um did that for a little while how long uh so I had a year's contract um when it came to the end of the year I couldn't get another HR job because I didn't have a qualification in HR so I went back to uni I did a postgraduate diploma in human resource management um I did contract work for about four years. Um, I wanted to learn how to apply HR um, differently according to the type of business. So I learned to adapt my style, my HR knowledge, according to how the business operated. Like what sort of example do you get? What sort of- so, so for example, I worked in a, in a school, which is where I met my husband, Eric. Um, I worked for a stockbrokers. I worked for the British Transport Police. I worked for local government. Um, you know, and, and by going to work in different businesses, I learned how to apply HR according to how the business operated. Um, so I believe that that helped me um, adapt my style to wherever it was that I was going to work um, so that I could adapt to, yeah, to the way that they did HR. And different responsibilities within them cultures. Yeah, exactly. And they were different sizes as well. You know, so, so, so that's how I progressed my HR career. Um, and then from there, I went to work for a timeshare company, uh, very different type of business. Um, that was my first um, kind of employed job. And then after I left them, I went to work for Just Eat um, as their head of HR. Uh, when I joined Just Eat in 2010, they were 50 employees. And when I left in 2015, there were 1,500 employees. Yeah, I must be so pleased with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so that, that was great experience. And, um, and it was, I think it was the the experience of changing different types of businesses and the exposure I had that gave me the confidence that I could deliver HR 
for smaller businesses in the variety of sectors that I support now um, in my own HR consultancy um, and that facilitated kind of that experience. So, yeah. Amazing amount of confidence you would gain from working with those large corporations, I imagine. Yeah, so so particularly the timeshare business and Just Eat, um, I would class them as more commercial businesses and I would say that I am a commercial HR consultant, that my approach is commercial, um, understanding what the business requires and then laying out the different options available to them, both from um, following the law to the letter to being more commercial in terms of the approach that they take and what the risks are involved in that. Because sometimes the law isn't the right approach for the business. Um, That's not to say they're breaking the law. It just means that if um, an employee were to take um, the the business to court, it might cost them a little bit of money to resolve the problem, let's say. So that's the more commercial approach. Yeah, so just... If you don't want me going back, I'm mean, yeah, quite yeah. interested in, in the, the change of work that your, your father had with. So um, farming, um, then working within a, a, obviously a wealthy family. Yeah. And uh, working with a chauffeur driver, supporting supporting them. Uh, what did he do after that? Or was it, is that how yeah, so, so my dad, it's funny because my dad talks about not being educated because he didn't go to school. But my dad is the most, one of the most intelligent people I know. Um, so he was a stonemason when he was in Portugal as well Um, he went to Angola for the army I mean that in itself was an experience and he was there for four years Um, you know he um, he was a butler and chauffeur and then so he worked for a a Jewish family for many years about 18 years before the old lady died Um, and then after that he wanted to work for himself so he did the knowledge and he became a London black Black cab driver driver, yeah. yeah which in itself is like doing a degree um, you know, it's 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 very um, meticulous and um, it involved a lot of work, both on his part and on the family's part, because my mum and I used to practice what they called at the time the runs. I don't know if they still yeah. refer to them as that way. Um, and so he um, would go out on his bike. So So his routine was he would work for a family or for a private company for to earn money. And then in his spare time, he would be out on his motorbike learning his runs. Seven days learning, a week. Seven days a week. And yeah. he did that for three or four years. Now, I understand as well with the black cabs, the, um, the, the police, the Metropolitan Police, who actually put them through that are pretty meticulous and put a lot of pressure on them to see if they can actually break these people yeah. who are doing it because um, the job is it's a very responsible job. It's, it's in the capital of the UK and they only want people there that can actually do the job and do it properly. Yeah. Um, maybe a little bit different to today things have changed a bit very different to today Um, it was heartbreaking actually to watch uh, what happened at the time that they licensed minicabs um, because uh, they just uh, it almost devalued what the black cab stood for and then Uber came in um, and that I think personally I think it's destroyed the black cab value and, and, and the industry because um you know it's not recognized that you can get into a black cab without a sat nav and the driver will know how to get you from a to b um you know the the, not necessarily the it will it will always be based on the shortest route but if that shortest route isn't available the black cab driver acts like a sat nav and will know a different way to go um you know and and you just i used to remember hearing my dad come home 
disappointed that you know he was driving around looking for obviously people wanting to get in and um they would be a, 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 you know an uber driver would pull up and pick them up um you know and when you think how much time is invested in learning the knowledge when you think about how much the insurance costs when you think that a new black cab costs 50 60 70 wow. grand to buy um and here you have um drivers driving through Uber where they're not um, they're not registered. Okay, Uber might do some checks, but the police nothing, check nothing, the black, yeah, tri- yeah. black cab drivers. There's a recourse as well. So if you have a complaint, you go to the public carriage office. Um, it, it's just not the same level of service. But An Uber driver has not been tested but no. with character. Um, no. I had a friend who actually did the, the, the knowledge and he would tell me several times, you know, th- that through his uh, his experience of of doing the uh, passing the different tests, that sometimes they would just throw them out, even if they pass, they just say, "No, you failed this time." Yeah, and um, just like that, yeah. just to see if they could break these people, if yeah. they were strong enough to be able to do it. It always uh, amused me, but I thought, "Wow, what a thing to to to, to do to actually be ch- tested at that level, so you can drive a vehicle to pick up the general public." Yeah. And do a proper job. I think yeah. things are amazing. Yeah. And so, what did he do after the black cab? So he didn't. So he did that for about fifteen years. Um, he caught uh, COVID just as lockdown happened. So around right. the first of April, he was hospitalised. He was seventy years old. Um, he was in hospital with fifty percent oxygen levels for five days. We actually thought he was going to die. It was a very dark moment for um, for our family, as I'm sure it was for many families around that time. And um, when he came out of hospital, he said to my mum, what are we still doing here? Why don't we just retire and go back to Portugal? So that's what they did at the end of that year. They packed up and they've been never been happier, if I'm honest. Um, and I'm relieved and actually quite delighted to see my parents enjoying their retirement because they worked really hard um, for the whole time that they lived in this country uh, to make a better life for, for themselves and for myself and my brother. And what about your, your mother, if you don't want me asking? What did, what did she, what yeah, did she so, start off doing? So my mum came over before my dad did, um, because back in the day you had to have a work permit already in the country before you could enter. Um, so my aunt was already working here. She got my mum the job um, originally as a, as a maiden cook. My mum's a brilliant cook. Um, yeah. <laughs> What's her favourite thing to cook? Oh, she. Oh, it's more about what what my favourite thing is of, of what she. Well, she she cooks all sorts. Um, she worked for Greek families. Um, obviously, she knows how to cook Portuguese food. Um, uh, she worked for um for for um Lebanese people. You know, so so there's a variety of what and Jewish. she can and Jewish, yeah. Um, so so certain things she wouldn't be cooking in certain houses and, and other places. Yeah, it would be. yeah, and 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 you know, she she often did um. Uh, food for banquets and stuff like that because you know the the type of people she worked for often held things in their homes because they were either diplomats or they were lords or ladies um you know so there was often functions that she would prepare foods for and and, uh, um so so yeah so she um she worked uh we call it in the domestic is how we describe it um and then after um she after i was born um originally both my parents lived in so they lived with the families that they um that they supported um and then at some point um they moved out and they were given a council home um and then uh at some point i'm trying to think so my brother 
She worked for the last family for about 20, 25 years. So it's quite a long time. Mm. Um, he was a famous pianist. He's still alive, actually, still playing. He's in his 90s now um, for a famous pianist that lives in Hampstead. Um, and she was with him until she retired. Um, and she was the housekeeper. Um, and she would often cook his meals and um, do stuff for them as well. So, um, Do you think it's that you, when you're a member of a family like that, you are really a member of the family? In terms of the, the family that she, looked, she, she was with? Yeah, absolutely. So she's still in touch with them now, even though she's retired. When she comes to the UK to see us, um, she will get in contact with them. She's in contact with the housekeeper who they hired after my mum left. Um, you know, she <laughs> still speaks to their children who are f- all grown up and have children now of their own. Um, so, you know, when you're, with, when you're with a family for 25 years, you're, with, you're, you're part of the family as, as far as we're concerned. You get to see things, don't you? You get yeah. to support each other, I guess. Yeah. It's a, an employee boss type scenario, ultimately. Um, it, probably to get the best out of it, it needs to be feel different, differently to that. Yeah, and she wouldn't have stuck around for 25 years if they, if they weren't the right type of family for her yeah. either. So, um, so yeah, so it was, it was a good relationship. Yeah. And then your brother, you said he's, he has a degree? Yeah, so my brother went to university to do a psychology degree. Um, uh, ironically, he doesn't work in that field. Uh, I think that that happens to a, way, a lot it? of yeah. people go to university. He had hoped to, but it didn't find, he didn't find the path that way. So um, he works for um, an employee benefits company and has done as a project manager for quite a few years now. Um, and um, Similar to you then? Yeah, similar, not so much. No, no. Uh, he, project management is more about um, implementation and bringing a project together to roll it out. Um, and he does that very successfully for the company that he works for. So, yeah, so he's doing well. Children, I guess, have you got children? My children. No, no th- oh, um, him. with him, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so we have my niece. Um, she is uh, four months younger than my daughter. So um, the, it's funny because my my parents, when they planned their retirement just thought that they were going to go to Portugal and that was that. And then in three years, they had three grandchildren. Wow. And um, my mum even said to me at the time, she said, gosh, I hadn't even factored in grandchildren. And then we've had three in three years. So uh, my two are 20 months apart and Livia was born four months before my daughter was born. So, um, so yes, they're all very close in age and it's quite nice to see actually that they all have a, a very good relationship between the three of them. Yeah, so names... I know we always have fun with um, because I think you've got the longest name <laughs> of someone I, I've ever met. Um, but I know that with Portuguese culture has a, a certain culture of taking with the children are born that you take on board the, the names in a different way to we do here. Yeah. So um, my surname before I got married was Pereira Santos. Pereira was my mother's maiden name. Santos was my father's surname. And then when you get married, you just keep adding so when I got married, my husband was Urel, so I became Pereira Santos Urel, which is a nightmare when you fill out forms. Um, and even on my bank card, and they, the can't, spelling. they can't fit all the letters and the spelling. And what makes it worse is that um, the Portuguese alphabet is, has only 23 letters. Um, it doesn't have Y. So my surname starts with a Y. My husband's part starts with a Y. So that's always confusing. Um, and we don't have double L in Portuguese either, which is why Annabella is spelt with one L. Um, and I have that in my husband's part of the surname as well. So it's always interesting yeah, when people try to pronounce my name in Portugal because they can't. Yeah, because the um, things like Annabella 
would be people would think of in the UK certainly more of an Italian type of name yeah. and so they're always going to add two L's in there definitely yeah. no problem yeah. with that at all yeah yeah so so when you were living in the Daventry area yeah so I, so I live uh, on the Borough Hill side of Daventry um it was uh, it's been quite a, a project for you uh in terms of my garden my garden oh my garden oh dear yes so we bought a family home with a massive garden and it's not a family friendly garden we only use about a third of it so for the last two years um i got quoted ninety thousand pounds to redo my garden which i did not want to spend nor had i saved for and nor do i want to spend it in that way so um so i decided that i was going to do it myself and so i have been digging out my garden for quite a while now uh, it's getting there uh, but it's still a project and um yeah i have contemplated contacting those garden shows you know uh, redesign your garden mm-hmm. or you know garden sos or something like that to see whether or not someone wants to come and give me a hand because um it's quite the challenge. I don't think they're always interested in gardens like yours, large and also on a slope. Yeah, right? yeah, because my garden's got three tiers. And so I'm trying to remove one of the tiers to make it more functional so that we can and make the children most help of you it. with this? Absolutely not. No, nor does Eric. Um, to be honest, I think it's more work on their part than if I just do it myself. So, um, so yeah, and I like a bit of heavy lifting, so I don't Well, it keeps you fitness, which is something I want to talk to you about in a, in a moment, really. How did you manage to get um, to be running a HR business and then start to um, own these gyms? Okay, um, so and what you know why? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I've always been into fitness. Um, I uh, swam when I was younger. I've played tennis. I uh, used to play rugby when I was at school. Um, you know, um, I loved PE always been in an overweight body but I loved fitness so I was probably the fittest person around I just didn't look like the fittest person because of what I looked like um and uh you have more of a Portuguese body with Portuguese parents yeah I take after my dad's side of the family that's for sure um yeah so so I um I went through my own transformation in 2019 so in 2010 I had a work-related accident Um, that I ended up having sepsis that resulted in uh, six operations in four years when I couldn't exercise uh, and you're still eating so uh, I went from being active to inactive but didn't change my dietary lifestyle Um, and then immediately after that I had two children 20 months apart so my weight ballooned I got to 17 stone Um, in 2019 I decided to do something about that and um, I lost five and a half stone um, which was great And um, at the time, so when I moved to Daventry, I needed to make friends. I mean, when you're in your 30s, where do you go to make friends? You know, it's actually really difficult because I moved from London, right? So left all my friends behind, um, but I wanted to be more social. So I thought, oh, actually, I enjoy fitness. Let me join some sessions. Let me go and find some classes to do. So I did. Um, But the trainer who I was with uh, decided to give up what he was doing just before lockdown hit. So um, then lockdown happened, and, you know, and and we were all isolated. But I still had this desire that I needed to get, you know, some fitness, you know, something social. I don't like working out by myself. I've had a gym in my garage since I moved. 
Um, I rarely go in there, have all the equipment. I rarely use it because I'm a social creature. I like to be around people. It motivates me to work out. Um, so I started looking again, probably around September, 2020. And I came across an ad. Ironically, the ads I run for my own gym now. Um, and it was the ad for Fitter Body Ladies in Daventry. And um, the gym itself was opening in October, 2020. And so I applied and I got accepted. And I was one of the first people through the door into the gym I now own in Daventry. Um, and uh, I was a member for 18 months, really bought into the, um, the ethos of, of Fitter Body Ladies. Um, I love the community spirit that we've created and that we have. Um, and when we, when Eric and I, because my parents are Portuguese, we tend to go to Portugal every year in the summer. Uh, frankly, it's cheaper to go to Portugal for six weeks when the kids are on holiday than to pay for holiday clubs. Mm -hmm. Can you believe it? Um, so we, when we were in Portugal, Eric and I always spend um, at least half a day to strategize the future. Because without plans, what are you working towards? And it's always good to have a goal. Whether you mater those goals materialize or, or, or not, that's not the point. The point is to have something to work towards. Mm. So every year we talk about, um, you know, what would retirement look like? Where are we going? What are we trying to achieve? Um, so I think it was uh, February. No, it, it was around sometime in 2021 we had a conversation about retirement and semi-retirement and wouldn't it be lovely dreaming would it be lovely to retire when the kids go to uni or semi-retire when the kids go to uni so that would give us about 12 or 13 years and um, but what would we do okay i've always been into fitness and i thought okay well maybe we open a residential boot camp in the algarve i love the heat so i'd be sunny you know i'd be in a, in a country where it's sunny i speak the language um, and the property prices are cheaper. So, you know, why not dream about about doing that? Um, but in order to do that, I would need credibility. I would need to be in the fitness industry for some time, you know, to, to, to add credibility to what I was trying to do. So I approached Alex, who runs, who owns the franchise for Fitter Body Ladies. At the time, she was running the, the Daventry gym. And I asked her, how long does it typically take to qualify as a fitness coach? Um, and uh, she put me in touch with the people who um, who run the course, the level two gym instructor course called uh, the the company's called Parallel Coaching, and um, and I actually qualified as a fitness coach in two months, and I got my qualification. Wow, that is proper. I did a lot of work. Yeah, but yeah, that was that it was. Doesn't surprise was, me knowing you that you yeah. were able to do something that would normally take two years. <laughs> and and you know what? It was so. I think when you're so interested in a subject, you learn so much quicker. And because I've always been into fitness, learning about the anatomy and physiology in the way that I did cemented, it just it just explained everything I knew about the end result, but how to get there. You just and had what to join the body those dots was, It joined all the dots. It was fascinating and I absolutely loved it. So, um, so then I said to my husband, well, being a fitness coach for 10 years before I opened my residential boot camp would give me credibility. But what if I was a gym owner for 10 years? How much more credibility would that give me? So that planted the seed. So I approached Alex to find out where she was in, um, in the franchise for Daventry mm -hmm. because I knew that it wasn't her intention to keep it because she's the franchisor. 
and she was still looking for a franchisee. So I met with Alex and Ricky, her husband, that runs a franchise with her. And um, that was in uh, May, June 2022. Mm -hmm. And in August, the 1st of August 2022, I became the owner of Fitter Body Ladies Daventry. Um, I love what I do. I genuinely do love, I love my ladies. I love what I do. I joined Fit Body Ladies for business. Um, and I think that um, when you set up a business, you can be passionate about what you do, but ultimately it is a business. Um, and so my goal for my Fit Body Lady business, Fit Body Ladies business, is not to own one gym. My plan is to own six. Okay. Um, and that's that's where I'm going. So 10 months in, well, we're about 11 months in now, but um, at the point of nine and a half months, I had already purchased gym number two. So now I am two gyms into six. Yeah, I don't think um, <laughs> the, the, the franchisor, Alex, has ever seen anything like you before. Uh, absolutely, probably the most... Um, interesting entrepreneur I've, I've actually ever met for the speed of, of, of growth that you get you're going through can I ask you a question about chiropractic what of course you, yeah so what was the reason why you started using chiropractic so I have used physios in the past I've been to the osteopath um I have had different types of treatment never used a chiropractor before um and I came across um some adverts I looked at the reviews and I had a problem with my shoulder. And Einstein, there's a thing from Einstein that says, um, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, why would you expect a different result? And so I like to try new things because I think that that's how you learn and that's how you find what works. And so I thought, I've got this problem with my shoulder the physio hasn't helped in the past. The osteopath hasn't helped in the past. Let's try a, chiro a chiropractor. And frankly, it was the best thing I ever did. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> It was actually myself that you it found, was wasn't you, it? Alan. Yeah, Funny yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Do you, are you happy to talk about the sort of problems that you were having? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, 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 so if you recall, when I came to see you, I came for my shoulder and you very kindly informed me that I had one, long, one leg longer than the other. Um, my hips were not aligned. Um, later on, we corrected a twisted spine, was it? Yeah. My rib cage wasn't quite um, Your torsion quite right. going through the rib cage. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Um, you know, my, my shoulders were out of, out of kilter. Um, you know, the, the, yeah, it was, um, I was a mess, which is no surprise, right? Because anyone who's been using sport right the way through their life and to include um, some of the ball sports, they're going to get some problems. Yeah, and two children. Exactly. You know, childbearing that. as well. So, so yeah. And uh, one of the things I, I, went, I sort of organised with you before we came on, didn't we, that we uh, promote a health talk that we're doing oh. in, in July. Um, I'm hoping that you still want to do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so 3rd of July um, at 730 at Reach for Health, uh, we're doing a health talk there for the people of, of your gym, um, for my chiropractic, um, uh, what, should we, what should we call them? I was going to say fans, but actually they're people that are using chiropractic and who use the Daventry Chiropractic Clinic. 
um, but also putting it out there for people who want to get involved, who want to come and listen to a health talk. They're very welcome to come along um, to Reach for Health. It's at the Rugby Club in Daventry. Um, like I say, arriving at 7.30, all are welcome. Um, I think I want to wrap up now. This has been episode episode three uh, with Annabella Urell. Um, I'm really pleased that you came along. Thank you so much for your, for your time. And I hope that we can invite you back in the future. Of course. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. So if you've enjoyed the podcast, um, then please like and subscribe. And you can also check us out on YouTube.